Anybody know what's happening in Louisiana on Saturday besides football games? Elections, the elections. We have citywide elections. We have state elections, parish elections. And uh, people have put a lot of time and energy, uh, money, into these, uh, these uh, elections. And so it's a, it's a big deal. It's an important deal. And we all understand, at least I think most of us in here understand, uh, when we talk about an election from a political sense. Well, this evening we're going to talk about an election from a spiritual sense. If you've been with us the last two Wednesdays, I'll give you a quick review. If you haven't, I'll try to very quickly tell you where we have been. But we have been looking at the doctrine of salvation. The, uh, and after the, the understanding of who God is, the doctrine of salvation, how we know God, there's nothing more important than that because you have, to, you have to know God to be right with God. So this is extremely important stuff. And we've been looking at, we've been looking at uh, a theological system that was created in the 1500s by preacher, theologian, and lawyer named John Calvin. He developed a system, and it... it became called Calvinism uh, and an understanding of how people are saved. And it has, was not prominent for, for many years, but in the last years, probably the last two decades, in Southern Baptist life, it's become prominent, and it's become prominent in American evangelical uh, circles. So understanding this stuff is very important. Again, my, my uh, job is not at all to kick people who have this belief, because I have good friends who believe this way, but, and it's not to present anything but the proper understanding of it, the, the way I understand it, either. So we're going to look at election tonight, but as, before we do, remember Calvinism, a system of theology that most Southern Baptists do not hold, by the way, but it's being taught in some of our Southern Baptist seminaries, is built on the system TULIP. We showed you this last week. Uh, T stands for total depravity. We looked at that last week. Unconditional election is U. L is limited atonement. Who did Jesus die for? We're going to see that in two weeks. Really important. I is irresistible grace. If God calls you to be saved, you're going to be saved. You know, you're, you're, it's just going to happen. And P is perseverance of the saints. Tonight we're looking at the U, the unconditional election. And really and truly, this is the biggie. In fact, this is where the system rises or falls on this. In fact, when, when this system was created in the late 1500s, 1600s, when it was being formed, they didn't spell it tulip. They spelled it, put it up, Brian, uh, a little different, yule tip, which doesn't, doesn't sound as good, does it? Uh, tulip is, uh, is easier to grasp, but they, they did it this way is because the U is the main thing. The U, the U is the first thing. So we're going to look tonight, and I want to tell you, here's my big overarching first point, is one's understanding of election determines one's view of salvation. Election and, and predestination are almost sister, uh, twin sisters in, by definition, so we, I may use those interchangeably. What you believe, and you go, well, I don't even know what this is. How are you telling me this is going to determine my view of salvation? You do know what it is. You may just not be able to articulate it. And I'm going to help you be able to articulate it, hopefully, before 9 o'clock this evening. Amen? I mean, I don't have anything to do. I'm a preacher. We can stay as late as we need to. 
Romans 8.30. I'm going to use several passages. We're going to be in Romans 8 and Ephesians 1 primarily, but I always encourage you to take notes. In Romans 8.30, it says, And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. How many of you would agree that verse is above our pay grade? <laughs> that, that is not easy treading, and we're going to try to tread that in just a minute. Predestination... What does it mean? It means to determine beforehand. It means to decree something beforehand. Here lies the huge difference in someone who would be a, a true five-point Calvinist or a mainstream Calvinist and what traditionally evangelical Christians and Baptists, traditional Baptists, have not espoused to. And that's over this issue of predestination and election. What's the difference? Well, the, the, the thing that's the difference, I'm going to give you the two ideas, main ideas of election. And the first is unconditional election. This is the Calvinist view of election. Unconditional election. Unconditional predestination. Now, stay with me because I know it is, this is, this is uh, buttermilk that's set out for a while. It's, it's churning. It's thick, but, but it'll move, and I think it's really important this belief says that God predetermined before the foundation of the world who he would save and then either actively or by default who would be damned. Do you hear me? Before you were ever created, before your child was ever created, before your grandkids who may or may not even be created yet were created, God chose for some to be saved and some not to be saved. John Calvin's position was that God actively chose some for salvation and some for damnation. And I'll remind you, the Bible tells us over and over and over, more will be lost than will be saved. So we would have to say God chose a few for salvation, and before they were ever born, God chose others, many others, for damnation. That's called double predestination, and I have some Calvinist friends who are offended by that and don't agree with that. They say, well, God chose some to be saved and others he just left in their lost state to, to die and go to hell. But let me tell you, I think that's just a wordplay. Because if God had the ability to choose and he randomly chooses some and he randomly does not choose other, by default, God has damned them. You follow me? And that's, uh, I don't know about you, but, but that's tough stuff. There's no, and here's the, the, the key, and this is where it really gets to me murky. The unconditional literally means that. There is no condition whatsoever in how God chose who he would save. It's totally unconditional. God did not look and say, Lance Wright, 6,000, 8,000 years from whenever, will someday have the faith he will choose to respond to Christ. That's unconditional. There is no conditions. God didn't look at you and say, that I know that you would respond or that you wouldn't respond. It was unconditional. I literally heard a pastor say this, pastor in Illinois. He, he believed this, and he says what it is is that it's like the lottery hopper, and God closes his eyes, and he puts his hand in, and he pulls out a name. <laughs> Reggie Hanchy. We sure hope we got Mary Celia somewhere in there, don't we? But do you see, and he did, Mary Celia. Uh, 
She was fixing to come make a decision. But Mary, see, if it's unconditional, you can decide all day, but it won't happen. (laughs) I don't know about you, but that really bothers me. That that God would reach his hand in a hopper and randomly pull out names. Let me tell you something. Somebody in your family's not going to get chosen. Don't kid yourself. I hope you do. I hope you have been. But this is a this is a a, a belief that's foundational to everything they believe. And, l- and let me just say this. No amount of praying, no amount of witnessing, no amount of missions giving or going, no amount of loving, or no matter how you raise your kids in the way of the Lord, if this is true. It doesn't matter. No, I mean, you're doing good, nice things, and you may have kids who don't cuss and who are respectable, but if God didn't choose them from the hopper, they're going to hell, no matter what you do. I hope you see some problems with this, biblically, not just from what I'm saying. I heard a pastor say this. He said he was saved, and... It's funny, most Calvinists I know were not led to the Lord by other Calvinists. (laughs) It's ironic, isn't it? First guy I ever led to the Lord, I was in college, and two months after I led him to the Lord, a Calvinist got him and discipled him, told him he'd been chosen. I thought, why weren't you, why was I doing all the heavy lifting before? (laughs) But he was a professor, and I couldn't say that, so. But I heard a pastor say he got saved, and He was praying for his dad to be saved, but as he began to understand Calvinism, he became a Calvinist. He said, why should I pray for my dad to be saved? It's not going to matter. He'll be saved or he won't be saved. The only problem with it, that's unbiblical. That's the problem with it. God tells us to pray for people to be saved. He tells us to pray for others. William Carey is considered the father of the modern missionary movement. When William Carey felt God leading him in England to go be a missionary, everybody around him was Calvinist in England at that time. And he goes to a meeting. He's a young minister. All these old ministers are there. And he says, I feel God's leading me to go to India to reach people for Jesus. And one older Calvinist preacher says, young man, if God decides to save the heathen, he will do it without you or without me. That sounds noble, doesn't it? It just doesn't sound biblical to me. I'm going to say this. Listen, friend, if it's true, you better pray you were chosen. Amen? That ain't going to do any good, but you ought to do it anyway. Lorraine Botner was a, a Bible teacher. He's been dead many years now in the Reformed Church. And he was what we'd say is a hyper-Calvinist. He believed in the double predestination. Listen to what he said about people who are chosen before they're ever born to live a life where there's never any hope of their salvation that will die and spend eternity in hell. Here's what he said, literally what he said. He said, hell will furnish God an uh, an eternal uh, exhibition where he can show the angels and the saints of his hatred of sin. Wow. I thought the cross did that. I mean, does God really need to choose people to go to hell so he can prove that he hates sin? Wow. God really said that, too. 
He's dead, like I said. I hope he was chosen. <laughs> how, you, how you view humanity is important here. It really is. I mean, it's man-made in the image of God. This is, now, this was not a preacher. This was a, a man who was a psychologist. Sorry, Brandon. Um, but he was a, he was a hyper-Calvinist, and he, uh, uh, this professor that I read a lot of his material talked about an encounter with this guy, and uh, the guy said, you know, well, what about the people, how, how do you deal with people who were chosen by God before they were ever born to burn in hell? He said, I don't believe they're people. They're just robots. They're just, uh, how many of you have met a flesh, heart-beating, breathing robot? You never have. Every person you meet is in the image of God. Image of God. I guess the only way you can get around that is to buy into that. Where does some of this come from? Some of it comes from misunderstanding of Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. We're gonna, next summer, we're going to go verse by verse through that. It's the most difficult passage in the Bible. And a lot of times, the Calvinists will camp out in Romans 9, and they miss Romans 10. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't, you can't hang out in one chapter or one verse. You've got to take the whole book together. Romans 9, by the way, is talking more about Israel, and it's talking about national election, not individual election. And when it talks about God hated uh, Esau but loved Jacob, that word hated is the same Greek word where God says to hate your brothers and sisters uh, and love him, it means to love less than. God said that thousands of years after they were born and died. He was talking about the people, is Esau's people, Edom, and Jacob's people, Israel, and the way they had behaved. When it talks about God choosing one for a noble pers- purpose and one for an ignoble, he's not talking about, about salvation there. I think it's a misunderstanding primarily of Romans chapter 9. Funny thing, scary thing, we have six Southern Baptist seminaries. Those are preacher schools, by the way. Uh, we always call them the cemetery because it is similar to that. But one or two of them have been really taken over by Calvinists. And slowly but surely, it kind of happened without people knowing. And I know one, one of those schools, uh, I heard the academic dean said before they interview any professors, they ask them uh, to, to agree to at least three points of these Calvinism. But I guarantee you, one they have to agree on is this. And if you agree on this, everything else is just toast. I mean, if this one's right, everything else, it doesn't matter what you believe about everything else, if God randomly chooses people or not. And I want to say it again. If this is true, all the prayers for lost people, all the loving people, All the what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9 about becoming all things to all people to win some. All the money we spend on missions, we could be spending it here on ice cream parties after church. Because, listen, you can do do nice things, but none of that's going to matter one hill of beans for eternity if this is true. You following me? That's the absolute truth. Ezekiel 18.32, write these down if you, you have paper for, I, listen to what God says, I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord, repent and live. What? God didn't make people to be kindling for eternity. I take no pleasure in the death of anyone. In Matthew 25, 41, it says, then, then I will say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are cursed. These are people who have rejected Christ. Into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell was not originally created for humanity. Isn't that good news? It's 
created for the devil and his angels. And in 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4, great verses. This is good and pleases. He talked about praying for all people. Pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Isn't that good? You see, I don't think this is right. I think it's a misunderstanding of election. Let me give you the other option, and that's conditional election. And I'm not saying there's only two, but these are the primary thoughts. Yes, election and predestination are biblical terms, and you better, you better try to understand some of this complicated stuff. But I want to give you two principles that I think t- that bring this together Uh, hopefully in a cohesive way to understand how God's working with salvation. Number one, God knew who was going to to respond to him, and he chose them. This is different, isn't it? God knew who was going to be saved, so he chose them. Romans 8, 28, we love the first part of this verse, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We like you... You follow Christ, you live for him. He brings everything together for your good. Called, it means invited. His purpose is planned. Romans 8, 29, it gets a little confusing. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son that he may be the firstborn among many brothers. Let's look at these words. For those who God foreknew, that God knew ahead of time, that God knew before his foreknowledge, those he predestined. Did you get that? There's, a, there's an order there that's very important. Now, we don't have a time to go into all this like I wish we could. But God does know everything. He's, all, he's omniscient. God knows everything. And I believe what this one little verse right here is showing us is that, yes, God has known who is going to reject him or receive him. And it's those people that he has determined. But look what it says here, determined, not just for salvation, but be conformed to his likeness, to be like Jesus. Verse 30, and those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Justification happened when you got saved. That's being made just and right with God. Sanctification is the process here on earth where we become like Christ. Glorification happens when? When you go to heaven. I I don't mean this ugly, but none of you are glorified tonight. (laughs) But it's coming. And see, this gives us a picture of how God sees things. God, even tonight, he sees us where we are, but he also sees us for where we will be in heaven someday. Isn't that awesome? And so I believe the simple, if there's anything simple about this, is this is saying here, one understanding of predestination is that God, God knew who was going to reject him and who was going to respond to him. And he's chosen in Christ to save everyone who's going to respond to him. That puts some understanding to those verses. But always remember foreknowledge, that's it, a descriptive part of, of God. That doesn't cause an event. If you, were, if you were on a mountain and you were looking down at a road and you could see a curvy road, here comes a car too fast, and a bridge is out around the corner, and you can see they're going to go off that bridge, you have the foreknowledge of that, the foresight of that, but you didn't cause that. God's foreknowledge does not create an event. How many of you believe God foreknew that Hitler was going to do what Hitler did? 
How many of you believe God's foreknowledge caused that? Thank goodness, nobody does. Foreknowledge doesn't create the event. So God, God knows. But let me give you, I think, a, 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 even a better. God has chosen us in Christ, and anyone can come to Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to read verse 3 through 13. You follow along with me. Great verses. In the Greek language, this is one long sentence. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Folks, ten times in verse 3 through 13, the phrase in Christ or through Christ is used. That's the key. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Didn't say he chose us randomly. He chose us in Christ. Verse 5, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in according with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, verse 7, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom. In verse 9, let it be known to us the mystery of his will. mystery of his will was the coming of Jesus. His good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, in Christ, to be put into effect when the times have reached their fullness to bring all things uh, in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In verse 12 and 13, in order that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. Now, verse 13 is key. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation. Read this last part with me. Having believed, you were marked. Man, I don't know about you, but that's good stuff, isn't it? All I did was read, so I can say that's good. When I was, when I was 23 and I was in graduate school, I, got, I was getting confused over this predestination stuff. And I went to one of my professors. He had a Ph.D. in Greek. He smiled. He goes, let me tell you this. Here's what the word predestined means. It means to draw out the boundaries beforehand. Okay? Draw out the boundaries beforehand. Here's what he said. He said, God... God created everything. God knew what was going to happen. We were going to sin and fall and Jesus needed to come. And before the world was created, he drew out the boundaries of salvation, and that's in Jesus Christ. Now, that's popular in this room. That is not popular in the world today. (laughs) That the boundaries of salvation are in Jesus Christ. He predetermined. That's it, period. He predetermined the people who are going to be saved are the people that are in Christ. And in verse 13, he told them, when you believed, you came in Christ. Isn't that good? That's great. Because, see, that gives us hope. I think it's biblical. Romans 10, 13, and 14. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved if they were chosen out of the hopper. It's not what it says. Verse 14. How can they call on one they have not believed in? 
How can they believe in one they, whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? See, your witnessing does matter. Your prayers matter. Our missions, money, and efforts do matter. You raising your kids and pouring Jesus all over them, it does matter. Man, I believe in predestination. I just believe that God predetermined salvations in Jesus and that anyone who would come to Jesus, he is predetermined. He's going to save us and justify us, and someday we're going to all be sitting in heaven glorified together. Do you see now that this is pretty important stuff? Theology affects your behavior. What you believe affects what you do. By all means, I believe the election Saturday are important. I believe your election or your understanding of election spiritually is eternal. So here's what I want to throw at you. If you're not a Christian this evening or you're unsure, here's the hope we have that if you will come even tonight and call on the name of the Lord, he'll save you. Come and do that in a moment. Maybe you're here tonight and you'd like to join our church family. We would love for you to do that. And one way you can do it when we stand is just slip out, come down here. We'll help you with that. We'd love for you to join our church. We're a church that, that's going to lift up Jesus and try to point people to him. And we're going to try to love on you. You come and join us if God's leading you to. Christian, maybe tonight I hope God stirred something in your heart. And, and that you'll keep your nose to your Bible. And that no one that matters, you'll take Jesus to every place that your feet go. Let's stand. As God